0: Hey everybody, Gabe D'Armond and Drew King with you live from Sacramento, California. Um, as we, we had a great plan that we would both do this in our hotel room mm-hmm. and that it would work perfectly and nothing yep. would go wrong. Um, if you've watched this show before, you know that it rarely goes perfectly with nothing going wrong. <laughs> it went wrong. So we shoved Drew in the supply closet down on the yep. seventh floor and, uh, he is joining us <laughs> from elsewhere in the lovely holiday inn in downtown Sacramento. So appreciate all of you guys joining us. Obviously, look, it is NCAA Tournament Eve, Mizzou and Utah State. I've said that enough you would think I would have remembered more quickly who they were playing. But yeah. Mizzou and Utah State tomorrow morning at 10:40 our time, 12:40 your time. This is like a primetime show. This is special for you guys. Hopefully, you guys are already deep into the uh, adult beverages, watching NCAA tournament basketball. We're going to talk Mizzou, Utah State. We spent all day over at the Golden One Center talking to both teams, watching both teams do a little uh, um, walkthrough, practice, whatever you want to call it. We will get to that. Um, One to remind you, we are in a different location, but we are still brought to you by the same fine person, our friend James Carlton at James Carlton State Farm in Webster Groves, Missouri. If you're located in Missouri or Illinois, James wants to see if he can get you a better deal on your insurance, car insurance, life insurance, home insurance, whatever you need. Go to carltoninsurance.net. Give him a call at 314 961 4800. Tell him you heard about him on Power Mizzou, and he is going to donate $20 to the Power Mizzou arm of every true tiger foundation. Uh, Mizzou's preferred NIL collective. So, uh, Drew, travel day yesterday, honestly, not bad. And then, uh, then a long day inside the arena today, uh, talking to Utah State and Missouri, just kind of uh, initial, like, big picture thoughts from what I guess is talking season at the NCAA tournament.
1: Yeah. Um, well, to start on your travel point, I drove from, Auburn to back to Columbia in, in one go. So, um, and and yesterday somehow it took less time than that. So, you you are correct. That was a pretty decent travel day, all things considered. <laughs> right. Um, go ahead. No, I uh,
0: I was just gonna say I uh, want to want to thank Pocket Watch for for tossing us a little super chat and uh jumping in the uh the conversation and whenever asked for that always welcome it uh certainly uh, you know hey again the travel budget has been expanded to to come to Sacramento but like they, we joke about this but in all seriousness Drew you and I were talking i mean by coming to this in person i like we got to see the team's practice you were while i was up doing press conferences which basically turned into a one-on-one interview with me and Dennis Gates because there weren't that many people there, then you're down in the in the locker room getting to talk to, uh, to C.Y. Young and Dickie Nutt and mm-hmm. all, all these people around the program that we never really get to talk to. I mean, it, it's kind of weird, but the biggest event of the year also gives us kind of the best access and the best ability to give people a, a look behind the scenes.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. That's been like one of the really cool things about covering the postseason so far is that um you really get to make better connections with people on the team, right? Like um I, I know after both of the games at the SE tournament, like DeAndre Golston was the first guy I talked to just because everybody else was wanting to talk to Kobe or Nick Honor, right? And and so like I, I feel like me and Drake Golston have a-, a better um relationship now just because like He recognizes me. He knows who I am now. He knows like I'm not out to like make him look bad or anything like that. So, yeah, I I think for me, especially getting to talk to these assistant coaches, some of them I haven't talked to at all this year. Right. So, um, yeah, this has been a really good opportunity. I think uh, we're both learning a lot more about this team because we're getting better Mm -hmm. access. Um, I, I think it's been a great experience so far.
0: Yeah, uh, and and want to give you guys a heads up again. We are in a Holiday in. I'm getting like a little bit of an indication that the the Wi-Fi here might be going a little bit in and out. So if you guys have problems, like you got to let us know, and we'll do the best we can. We are completely at the mercy of hotel Wi-Fi. There, there's absolutely nothing we can do. The NCAA has two rules. Number one, you cannot live stream from on premises at the arena number two everything you drink has to be in a powerade cup so uh and and those are actually <laughs> reversed um to be quite honest the powerade <laughs> cup is far more important uh yes. do want to invite you guys uh we're going to start off kind of just giving our thoughts and, and talk about today but want to invite you guys to to put your comments and questions and, and all that and if you do it in a way uh that makes it pop up green with a dollar amount on it i promise you will take priority and we will put you up first uh rich ramsey wants to know why do you think so many pundits are picking utah state so i have a theory about this drew and and look i don't pay a lot of attention to who anybody picks because i don't really care but i think fans of every team think everyone is picking against their team because i think they just tend to focus on the people that do pick against their team right like I don't know. Like, I, I don't know who's picking who. They're, most of the experts may be picking Utah State. I saw Barack Obama pick Mizzou on Twitter today. So I, <laughs> I don't mean to start a fight, guys, whatever the politics are they are. I'm just saying someone I know picked Missouri. Um, yes. So I don't know. Do you get the feeling that Utah State is more of a, like a popular, trendy pick than a normal 10-7 game would be?
1: So I I did see, like, Jay Billis picked Utah State. I was reading his column about, you know, his predictions for the bracket. Um, and, and one of the things he Jay, said, Jay Billis was,
0: picked Jay Billis. That's your Jay Billis. Well, <laughs> in every game.
1: one of the things he wrote about Mizzou, Utah state was that he thinks that Kobe Brown is the better player, but Utah state might be able to spread Missouri out on defense. And that's kind of not a good thing for Missouri or, or any defense in general. Right. So, right. um, uh, and we talked about this a little bit on selection Sunday, um, the seven ten game, the seven scene only wins like sixty percent of the time, um, so it, it's it's, it's a relatively yeah it's it's a toss up game. Um, and then on top of that, like the Ken Palm numbers favor Utah State, so um, I, I think that if you look at those two things, it kind of makes sense why Utah State might be a popular upset pick. Um, but uh, you know, yeah. again, like, kind of like you said, I haven't seen a ton of people picking Utah State over Mizzou.
0: I feel like too that this kind of takes on a thing where all you need is two or three people to say, "Hey, watch this double-digit seed." I kind of like Utah State. I College of Charleston is a popular one, right? I can't. They're playing San Diego State, yes. And so I've I've heard a few you know people that follow this say, "Hey, I, li- I like Charleston. They're a really good team." And once that starts to happen, then it snowballs because when Mizzou is playing South Carolina. Like, nobody's really paying attention. But now the entire world is paying attention to what everybody is saying because you all have the bracket sheets that you've got to fill out, right? So, like, even non-sports fans are paying attention. So what happens is Jay Billis picks Utah State, and then, say, Seth Davis picks Utah State, and then everybody that has a bracket says, you know, the guys I'm listening to are picking Utah I think Utah State's a good – and all of a sudden Utah State is this trendy upset pick, Right. Right. And, A, it's not an upset. Utah State is favored. Uh, you mentioned the Ken Palm stuff, and I get it. Like, I do understand the technical reasons Utah State is favored. And a lot of it is Ken Palm, computer metrics, all that. I, w- I would say two things. Number one, again, that metric has Tennessee is the number four team in America. So let's take it with a grain of salt. <laughs> Second, those same metrics – have hated this Missouri team all year. Like it's not, uh, don't get me wrong. The computers don't have a bias against Missouri, but there are reasons that the computers don't think a ton of Missouri. If the computers determined these games, Missouri would not be 24 and nine.
1: Correct. Yeah. And it would not be
0: in this tournament.
1: (laughs) Right. Exactly. Um, And so when you look at utah state as well like i don't think the resume necessarily stacks up to missouri Um, and and so it really is just a matter of like you said it's it's a toss-up it's a coin flip right and so some people are going to pick tails like that's just kind of how it (laughs) is so um yeah i i think that but 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 drew the
0: people the people that pick tails hate heads why do they hate heads man
1: uh (laughs) couldn't tell you
0: (laughs) exactly nobody knows but but actually Utah State's resume is is better than I would have thought like their strength of record I just looked up is 34 that surprises me honestly like I just look at their schedule and I I don't know I don't there's not a lot there
1: well you know like like I think I said on the selection show, I know like half of their wins have come away from home, right? Either on the road or on a neutral floor. So I think that that helps definitely. Um, And then on top of that, like it's a team that shoots a lot of three pointers and um, experts like those kinds of teams to pull off upsets because they can be tough to keep up with. Um, I just think that Missouri is kind of the type of team that can keep up with them.
0: So, Uh, let's start there. The three pointer, like that is Utah state's path to winning this game.
1: Mm. If
0: Utah state shoots 30% or less from three point range, is there a path to them winning this game?
1: I don't think so. Right. Um, And and I wrote this on the board. I watched a couple of Utah state games. Um, They don't have that X factor superstar player. They have a team that has a bunch of good players um, and and guys that could probably play at a high major level um, as just another guy, though, and not necessarily the best player on that team. So, um, And so I think that's kind of the difference with Mizzou, where, you know, you have a Des Moines Hodge level player or you have a Kobe Brown type of player who can really take over the game by what they do. Um, either in the post or by what they do from beyond the arc and steals. Um, Like Des Moines Hodge can absolutely change the momentum of a game single-handedly. I don't know that Utah State necessarily has that type of player. They do have a lot of good shooters, though, and and that's kind of their bread and butter. So if you take that away, um, I, I think it will make it really difficult for them to try to climb back into that one.
0: Right. And and let me be clear, like, I don't have a lot of faith in Missouri to take it away because I haven't mm-hmm. done that all year, but yeah. I'm just saying like, there are days where the shots just don't fall or, whether it's Mm -hmm. nerves like Alabama was two for 20 from three point range at one time against Missouri. I don't think that was because Missouri was playing phenomenal defense. I think it was because Alabama was missing shots that a lot of times they make. So if Alabama, or I'm sorry, if Utah state comes out and starts two for 20 in this game for, from three point range, because guess what? Sometimes it just happens to everybody. Then I think they're in big trouble. So the flip side, is does Missouri have a path to winning if they aren't shooting thirty five or forty percent from three? And I think they do, and here's why I think they do. So we were at the uh, the press conferences today, right? And mm-hmm. I, I was sitting in the press conference with Utah State. They had four players up there. One of them's hurt; he's not going to play. The other three guys like range anywhere from six one to six nine. Like they have some tall guys. They even yeah. start a seven footer. But as those guys were walking off the stage, I looked over at them, and they were all built kind of like Trevon Brazil was last year or like Aiden Shaw is this year. In mm-hmm. other words, they're wiry and they're skinny. Yeah. And so I looked at those guys and I said, which of those guys is supposed to be guarding Kobe Brown? Mm-hmm. Because Kobe Brown, I just watched him for about a month bully SEC players. Right in the post. Like there were a lot of times in the past month where Missouri's offense was toss the ball to Kobe and he's going to stick his ass out and back his guy down and he's going to score. Well, if he can do that against SEC players, he can do it against absolutely anybody I saw on Utah State today. So my point is if the threes aren't falling, I don't even know if it should be Missouri's approach to shoot a bunch of threes. I think it should be their approach. Noah Carter, Kobe Brown. You get a touch in the paint on every possession, and we're going to go from there.
1: Yeah, will tell tell the people what you told me about Noah Carter and what Gates said in his press conference. I don't remember. Okay, you, you tell well, the you, people because okay. I don't remember. <laughs> well, no, you you said that. Um, I I think either you or somebody else asked. Dennis Gates, if there's a team that they've played against who oh, was similar yeah, was to Penn. Utah State. Yeah, and he said Penn, and that was the game where Noah Carter had 28 points, a season-high 28 points. So um, yeah, I-, I think that you're absolutely right in that this is a game where um Mizzou's bigs should have a quote-unquote size advantage. Not necessarily a height advantage, but a size right. advantage, Um, and you're right, like Kobe Brown- has been able to bully these SEC bigs. I don't think he should have any issue bullying some of um you know Utah State's forwards. I, I mean even like Oscar Shibway is talking about Kobe bullying him <laughs> into the rim, Right. You know? And and uh, like go ahead. Yeah. Yeah there's not an Oscar Shibway type on this Utah right. State team. There's a seven foot guy um and the rest of them are all six eight six nine and thin. So they're thin, that's the thing. Right. And they, they don't have the athletic length that like
0: Alabama had, and you know I just, I mean like Noah Carter, he's not skinny man, and you know he's not a little guy. And the 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 Kobe Brown thing. So I asked, um, I asked uh, Taylor Funk, who's uh, I I don't know, six eight, six nine in that range yeah. uh, for Nevada, and I asked him Utah State. Like, uh, Utah State. Sorry, I have Nevada <laughs> on my mind. There are so many Nevada fans in our hotel. I have Nevada on my mind, but for Utah State. So I, I asked him about Kobe and like the versatility and how tough of a matchup that makes him. And the guy he compared him to was Matt Bradley from San Diego State. Now he did say, now you know Bradley is given up a little height to Kobe. So I looked it up. Matt Bradley 6'4", 220 that's in no way the same as 68245 i mean no. that's that's just not like maybe they play similarly and yeah. maybe in the mountain west matt bradley is capable of going on the post and taking guys to the hole but like maybe that means the mountain west doesn't have a whole lot of 68240 that steps out and shoots 45% from three point range
1: yeah none none come to mind off the top of the head um yeah but it's uh, I I think the comparison to Alabama is a pretty good one, though, because Alabama, I think that the length definitely affected Mizzou. But Utah State, like you said, is not going to be the same type of athleticism. Right. Mm -hmm. They they aren't going to be able to jam up the paint as much as Alabama was with Charles Bediaco, who is a lot bigger than Utah State's seven footer. Um, and, and by the way, like the seven footer is is usually only out there, like you said, 15 minutes a game. Yeah. Um, and, and then they bring in a six foot eight guy who um, is more in there for offensive purposes than defensive purposes. Um, so, yeah, I, I think that this is a game where Mizzou can play similarly stylistically to Utah State, where they where they run with them and, and shoot just as many threes and try to turn it into a shootout but i i do think that they can have an edge if they choose to go inside especially if the game's close down the stretch right Mm -hmm. because that's a more sure thing type of bucket than pulling up from three with somebody closing out on you i feel like
0: one other interesting thing, and we're going to get to your guys' comments and questions pretty soon. Appreciate it. Keep putting them in the in the queue, and we will get to them. I promise. So, uh, one other thing that I thought was interesting today, we talked to to Ryan Odom, the Nevada head coach, and you know he was asked, "No, he's Missouri the Utah
1: room. State co- head coach.
0: What am I doing, dude? I don't even, I don't know who the hell they play. We're not in Nevada. We're not. I don't know what's going on.
1: They're both blue, anyway. I guess.
0: Yeah, yes." Utah, he is the coach of the team Missouri plays tomorrow. We're just going to go with that from now on. Uh, and point being, uh, he was asked if if Missouri reminded him of anybody they've played. And one of the comps he made was UNLV, which I found interesting because when I looked it up, so Missouri is fifth in the country in turnover percentage and second in steel percentage. UNLV is fourth in the country in turnover percentage and 15th in steel percentage. So defensively, that is probably the closest thing that they've seen that Utah State has seen. Now, they beat UNLV twice. Now, let's be honest, UNLV probably has a little bit lower level player than Missouri does at this point because UNLV is not all that great. But, um, you know, Utah State did beat them twice. And so I thought that was a, a pretty on point comparison.
1: Yeah. Um, I, I agree with that. The other one, I think he, Compared them to was New Mexico, New Mexico, and that one didn't make as much sense. Offensively,
0: it makes some sense because they score a lot and they go fast. Defensively, there's no comparison, but they score 81 points. Their tempo is pretty quick, but they also don't shoot a lot of threes, and and yeah. they get 56 percent of their points from two. And look, I when you're putting these guys on the spot and saying. Who do they remind you of? Like, I try not to hold guys to it too much because yeah. that's a hard thing to do.
1: Yeah, right. absolutely. Um, I, I, it, to go back to the UNLV comparison, though, um, I do think that um, when Mizzou has gone up against some Drew, teams, I Drew, a, I
0: appreciate it that, that we got food being microwaved in the background of the show. Yeah. That's awesome. <laughs>
1: go ahead. Um, no, so when we... Um, the UNLV comparison, when Mizzou has played against... Point guards, um, experienced point guards that are able to take care of the ball—they've struggled a little bit, right? So they have, mm-hmm. um, like the the Kansas game, um, they didn't generate that many turnovers, um, right. and, and so Wade they, Harris has done well yeah, against them. Wade, Wade Harris or did. Wade well. Taylor, Wade Taylor, Taylor yes, Wade that's Taylor. who it is. Wade Taylor. Thank I God. just make things up and say them, and they're like. Outright, Eagler, too? It's a Kai Ziegler kind of carved them up in the Tennessee game, so um I think that that could be a little bit of a trouble point for Mizzou if they're not able to get the turnovers some of the rest of the team for Utah State though um is not as good as taking care of the ball um Mm -hmm. so I I think that that's kind of where they're going to have to target but um the point guard for the Aggies um he's pretty good he's got a tight handle um so I, I think that he could cause some problems for the Tigers so before we move
0: on to the questions and comments, uh, like anything else left over from from hanging out today other than like hearing about the hairstyles on UCLA's team or Jaime Jaquez talking Spanish or anything else jump out to you from from Missouri or Utah State?
1: Well, I, I just put out my story about the coaches today um, and, and specifically the assistant coaches for them and and just kind of, you know, Dennis Gates gets a lot of credit for bringing in a dozen newcomers and having them win, you know, 24 games already this season. Um, I, I think that um, it, it kind of got overlooked that he brought in a whole new staff. As well, and and that they've been able to gel together so well, so I would encourage people to go read that story. Um, There's some pretty good quotes from CY and Dickie Nutt and Coach Smith Peters. Um, So definitely go check that out on PowerMizzou.com.
0: What are we having down there in the Holiday Inn Business Center? Is this popcorn? Is this pizza pockets? Can you tell? um i cannot tell no (laughs) i just i love it that the business center is also where the microwave is guys like I, i mean we're having fun with this if you're watching on youtube this is great i mean look this is our level of dedication we are doing whatever we can to bring you guys a live show even if it means interrupting that fine lady making her pizza rolls in in the background of, of Drew's video. So, uh, I appreciate everybody who's who's here with us live, and and just want to get to some of your guys' questions, and and we'll just go in order here. So, if you ask them, trust me, we're gonna get to it. Um, so, Dustin wants to know. My only question: expand on how much enjoyment this season has brought you, and Drew, kind of what's it been like with this your first season. So, I I'll let you kind of take that first, and and then sure. I'll add on.
1: Yeah, well, when I took the job, the only thing I really knew about Mizzou was that they had not been very good the year before. Yeah. <laughs> they let go of their head coach and brought in somebody new. So um my only thinking was like, okay, it's a it's a new team that probably has potential for a lot of good stories, right? And that's true. It's also been helpful that it's a winning team and that they've mm-hmm. I mean, we're at the NCAA tournament in Sacramento, so it's been an awesome first year. I, I don't think I could have asked for anything better to be honest
0: yeah and and you know like people i think confuse when you say like when i say i'm not a fan i mean i i still would prefer missouri win games it's Mm -hmm. way better because not only is it better for business but like this is why we do this we don't do this to cover mizzou versus houston christian we do this to cover the ncaa tournament this is the fun part guys i mean we were over for five six hours at the arena and and you know Mick Cronin and Leon Rice and and all these guys walking through Tiger Campbell was there and um you know Arizona is, is there and and so this is the fun part and when they're good you guys care more and you read more and you think we do a better job because we're writing things you want to hear you know so so this is all good um and just from a Purely from a basketball standpoint, like I've this is the 20th team I've covered here. And I put would put this in the top three seasons I've covered just as far as enjoyment. The 08-09 team was an absolute ball. They won 31 games, went to the Elite Eight. Um, the eleven twelve team won 30 games out of nowhere, won the Big 12, and was a ball right up until this time of year when it wasn't in Omaha, Nebraska. Although I I mean, fans took that one much harder than than I personally did. It was you know, hey, we were there and we saw something that hadn't happened much before. So, I, I yeah. guess if you're looking for a silver lining, but no, it's it's been a really fun season to cover. Um, you know, it's it's been fun to see Kobe Brown go from like this guy who yes yeah, he's a nice player to the face of a program and a mm-hmm. legitimate candidate for conference player of the year, and, and truly a good kid. Um, I've, I've always enjoyed covering Kobe and and getting the chance to see a guy like Dre Olston come from kind of nowhere and play hero a little bit and make you want to pull your hair out, but like playing in the <laughs> NCAA tournament for the first time. And it, it, like Des Moines Hodge, I've said this a number of times, is my favorite Missouri basketball player to watch in 10 years. Like there's minimum three times a game, Drew and I just look at each other and go, of course that's what he did right <laughs> like maybe good maybe bad maybe just be hilarious but i love watching him play and like trago million you know you you make the jokes about like dude this guy is in the motorcycle like he's the president of the motorcycle club but like right. he's a vital part <laughs> of this team you know so yeah it's it, it's been a ball to cover and it, w- we certainly would we'd love it to last till at least saturday honestly i, I Think we'd love it to last into next week, right? We'd mm-hmm. we'd love to be on the road again next week yeah. and, and be in Louisville. Um cause, Absolutely. Cause that is good for everybody. Um well and
1: my I have a colleague, Jory Epstein, who covers the NFL for yeah. Yahoo. And and um she she has a good quote about you know, as a reporter, you don't root for teams, you root for good stories, right? You root for guys coming back from a tour in ACL and, and being able to put up a good season like that. So this specific team has had a lot of good stories like that where um, it, it's just guys who have really overachieved because of the sum of their parts um, mm-hmm. and and so that's what's been enjoyable about this season for me yeah and and you root for
0: people uh, you know and and naturally yeah. the people you know better you and not that Utah State doesn't have some great people like i 15 minutes with the Ryan Odom today I really liked him I'm sure he's a good dude Uh, I just don't know him as well. Uh, Jordan says, don't mean to be negative beyond thrilled with the season and the team, but this appears to have been a very tough draw to pull off being this year's surprise Final Four team. Um, I don't know if you're saying that Utah State is the surprise Final Four team, or this is tough if Missouri is going to be the surprise Final Four team. Drew, are we both on the same page that I would be surprised if a Final Four team is playing at 1040 tomorrow morning in Sacramento? Um,
1: I would not be surprised, no.
0: Yeah, I just I mean, like, I, I think what I said to I can't remember if it was you or somebody else. But on Selection Sunday, when the when the bracket came out, I said, mm-hmm. well, here's what I know. This ain't Missouri's first Final Four team ever, because Alabama's over on the other side of that. You <laughs> that's know? that's um, correct. But I don't think the Final Four is the goal. Um, Aiden wants to wants to know, still don't know how Utah State is favored. um I don't think Utah State has played a, t- a team as tough as Mizzou can play. And we've talked about it at the beginning. I mean, I, I understand the reasons Utah State is favored. I, I'm a little surprised because I thought name brand bias would figure into it a little bit more, right? That Vegas would go, well, if we favor Utah State, probably more people are going to bet on Missouri. But it appears that hasn't really happened because the line mm-hmm. has only moved about half a point.
1: Yeah yeah and so i you know kind of the same things i said before i think it comes down to the ken palm number the 7-10 split like uh, I, I don't think people have seen necessarily a ton of utah state games um so uh, yeah I, I i think it's and also like it's not that big of a spread either it's it's two points it's, at the it's, most. it's
0: literally a basket
1: yeah, yeah. so i you can say that Utah State's a favorite, but again, it's a toss-up. Let's call it what it is: it's a toss-up.
0: Right. Uh, Danny says I don't see why guys are scared of Utah State. I, I, see, this is what I love, Drew. Since Sunday, mm. the reaction has been one of two things: it has <laughs> either been "Oh my God, how did we get matched up with 1991 UNLV in the first round?" or Utah <laughs> State is trash. I don't know why anybody is even scared of them. Like the there is levels. no in, inbe- but <laughs> there is absolutely no in between on it.
1: Um yeah I wonder what the reaction would be if they went up against the 1991 UNLV uh, Rebels Jerry dude, Tarkanian I, I loved that team so much
0: Larry Johnson and Stacey Augman and Anders Anderson Hunt was he was I loved that team that was that was an amazing team to watch uh they're also very very good I think they would be favored by more than 2 against Missouri <laughs> uh, Josh Randall says if we can win tomorrow I feel like it'll be I will be at rest after that, even though it's already a great season. So let's kind of let's run through this. And, and this was part of what I started writing about today. It morphed into a little something else. But I asked the players and I asked Dennis Gates, I said, what's the difference in being in the NCAA tournament and winning in the NCAA tournament? And I think that a couple of them kind of interpreted that the way I asked it might not have been perfect. They thought maybe I meant like, okay, you're here, but what do you have to do to win? What I meant was, what's the difference in the season if you win tomorrow's game versus
1: if you don't? So what do you think? So I I guess it's mainly like the punctuation mark on the season, right? Um, I I think that kind of like the SEC tournament, it would have been a big, not as big of a deal if they had gotten eliminated right away uh, going up against Tennessee, right? Um, and, and I'm actually curious for your opinion, like as good as, I don't remember what year it is, the Mizzou team that was the number two seed. 2012. Got, yeah. 2012 team. Um, like as good of a season they had, I mean, what was it like to see them get knocked out that early?
0: Yeah, see, that was different though, because like they were a two seed. I mean that was it was legitimately the biggest point spread upset in the history of the NCAA tournament. That was like, "Oh my god, how is this happening?" Tomorrow yeah. would be disappointing, but like we can all see a world in which Utah State wins this game. This will not be the biggest upset in tournament history. It won't even yeah. be an upset, right? Yeah. So I I I think like this is always the the conundrum. Is that had you told anybody on November 1st, this team is going to win 24 games and qualify for the NCAA tournament, every single person would have said, awesome, I will take it, Just sign me up today. But now that we've seen them win 24 games and they're in the NCAA tournament and they're seated higher than their opponent, it will feel a little hollow if they don't win a game, right? Yeah. And... and I I think that would be different if they had beaten Oklahoma two years ago or if if they had even beaten Florida State five years ago. But this is a program that like, legitimately, and and I know Drew obviously doesn't have any recollection of this, and a lot of people watching probably don't. But when I was growing up from 1976 to 1995, this was a legitimate top 15 to 20 program in America. And they have now gone 13 years without an NCAA tournament win. So I feel like just getting one – like this season is good no matter what tomorrow. If they lose, this is still a really good season and there's a lot of reason to feel positive. But it's going to feel so much better if they win. You know, like I'm not sure yeah. there's a lot of downside, but just one win takes this to an entirely different level.
1: Yeah. Like I said, I think it's it's really is the the punctuation mark that the team is looking for. It would be like me putting a feature up on power mizzou and missing the period at the end or you know it, it leaves you hanging right it's right. somebody putting their hand up for an, a high five and, and not getting anybody to clap them back so yeah I, I think that that's kind of the feeling that mizzou is looking for is that they they want to put a stamp on the end of this season um and like it would also be their twenty fifth win. I don't know when the last time was that they got to that number. So um mm-hmm. I, I think that that's kind of what they're searching for when they're here in the tournament. By
0: the way, um tomorrow's game. I think it, I know it can make Dennis Gates twenty five thousand because he wins. Tw- he has a twenty five thousand dollar bonus if he wins twenty five games. But I think he might get a bonus for making the second round, but he might not get another bonus mm-hmm. until the Sweet 16. But it can make him at least 25 grand. Um, Freeway Jared brings up an excellent point. There is no way Nevada is beating Mizzou tomorrow. So, um, yes, <laughs> I, I certainly agree. You are uh, correct. Mike KSU wants to know, and, and this is an interesting point, uh, do, you, do you think the early tip-off will possibly have an effect? So it is 1040 out here tomorrow morning. Now, there, there's a couple things here. In Mizzou's body clock, that is twelve forty, right? Like they have they played, they played a couple of games that were at noon Eastern, mm-hmm. eleven a.m. Central. They played Vanderbilt at eleven a.m. Central, you know, yep. on a Saturday. So they have played this early before. Utah State may have. I I don't really know. Um, also, the team came out here on Monday night. Like they've been here for a couple of days, practicing early. But I thought the best point Nick Honor was asked about this today, and he said we all grew up playing AAU ball. Like, we might have a game at 8 o'clock in the morning or 9 o'clock in the morning. Like, anymore, this is, you know, this is what they do. I mean, my kid played travel baseball growing up. I can't tell you how many times I had to be at a baseball field at 7.15 in the morning. Um, So, I I don't think that really what time it is should have much of an effect. And if it does, it affects the other team, too. You know, it's like field conditions or something. Well, the other team played on the same field, so maybe shut up about falling down.
1: Yeah. Well, as somebody who also played in AAU tournaments and was not very good in any of them, um, <laughs> I, I can't tell you that you, you know those 8 a.m. games were not the best for anybody out there. So uh, I think the field conditions comparison is a good one because it, yeah. it really is like both teams are kind of groggy. And it's not going to, like you said, it's not going to be that early for either team. It's 1040. Um, it's 1240 central time. So um no i don't think it should be that big of an impact either
0: right i mean you know yeah they'll they'll get to the arena an hour and a half earlier than they yeah. than they usually get to the arena but uh not that big a deal stuart west kind of feeling okay not saying it's in the bag but like this matchup better than if they had to play a, another team like mississippi state i i totally agree look i mean the what missouri really didn't want in this tournament is like a tough grind it out like i heard uh one of the guys from boise state today they play northwestern i think and he said look it's it's going to be a rock fight that's what we've done all year that's what they've done all year it's going to be in the 50s or 60s if missouri's opponent was sitting up there saying that today man you don't feel great about that yeah this hey go go take your chances utah state hasn't held a lot of people under 70 so go take your chances you get to 70 yeah exactly that's exactly right um Ron Davis, one of the best sports weekends of the year. Glad Missouri. So, I, I mean, no question. Like the next four days,
1: like it's the best weekend in sports. Just Something's hook it to okay. my veins, Gabe. Hook it to my veins. Like yeah. it is, uh, and we're talking about like all of sports. It is the yes. greatest thing to watch because this is this is the key point and and the biggest reason I keep bringing up why the NCAA tournament should expand. It's because the games have stakes, right? Like everybody's season is on the line right now. And so if we had more of it, what is the harm? <laughs> like, yeah,
0: I mean, God knows we need Vandy, Rutgers, and Clemson in this thing, man. <laughs> Listen, we we though, can't have a championship tournament without those teams. Well, but Gabe, like. We, we got if... participation trophies to hand out here, Drew.
1: okay i i can't argue against that no (laughs) my my point would be like to put more emphasis on the regular season though right because you you could have two automatic qualifiers one for the regular season one for the tournament that's fair and and then you would have two teams that would actually deserve to be in there um and i like a lot of these conferences um have two different champions right. sec that's not the only
0: them. way i'm cool with expanding the the tournament if the extra bids go to these go to regular season champions i'm I'm good with that um that that's the only way i'm cool with it um yeah
1: but like what's so just to go back to it i don't see if you were to go that route what the harm would be in adding you know just an extra 16 games of March. You know.
0: Yeah, I, I mean it, it wouldn't be, but also here's the weird thing about the NCAA tournament. It's the only event in sports that actually gets worse as it goes on. Yeah. Right. Like like the, the, the NFL playoffs, it's like, oh, the first round's awesome. Oh man, the second round means so much more. The, the Masters, like I love Thursday, but man, Saturday and Sunday are another level. The tournament, like the fun of it is these next four days. And then we generally end up with, you know, I mean, there are some upsets and there are some great games, but like there's fewer games and they're mostly between teams. We kind of expect to be there. Like the great moments tend to
1: dwindle a little bit. So
0: that's why this weekend specifically is the best weekend.
1: Yes. Um, And it's also like just nonstop all day for four straight days. Like you could sit down and not move for 96 hours, whatever it is. Um, can we talk about why I'm getting accused
0: of apparently being high on the show? I don't know oh, what's going on here. I don't yeah. know either. I don't, I, I promise I'm not, guys. I worked most of the day. Um, anyway, uh, <laughs> I don't know. Uh, let's see, let's see, any more comments? Uh, okay, Jared, I remember playing AAU against Ben McLemore at 9 a.m. on a McDonald's breakfast. So, uh, hey, we are in Sacramento, Ben McLemore played in sacramento he's the last sacramento king i think i knew so i was about to
1: say i i'm surprised you knew who he played for the kings yeah you you, you told me you couldn't you couldn't name a single one that was currently on the roster so
0: do not know one current sacramento king did know ben backlemore do know that thomas robinson played here Mm -hmm. um that's that's about all i got oh uh, apparently, it's because I keep calling Utah State Nevada that Nevada ah, under the influence okay. of substances. That's fair. <laughs> I, to, to be fair, there were a whole bunch of Nevada fans downstairs. I was talking to one of them. Uh, they were in the hotel bar trying to get the Nevada game turned on. And I said, Oh, well, like if Nevada plays tonight, why are so many Nevada fans here? And he said it's a two hour drive and a bunch of us just get tickets to the closest NCAA regional every year, whether Nevada's there or not.
1: So that makes um, sense.
0: So that's that. Um all right. So I know Drew that you love predictions. Um, but like I feel like that's kind of where we gotta end this because we did all okay. the information all day. So uh I what do you think?
1: Okay, so I will have my my full bracket out sometime this evening, hopefully. Um and I will have Mizzou beating Utah State in that bracket tonight. Yep. Close for four score.
0: Okay, um, I, I, it just it, close game, close easy game. win.
1: Um, I think that it'll be, huh? I I think it'll be relatively close. I do think like Utah State has the shooters to keep up with Mizzou at a certain extent, but I I do think that Mizzou will be able to string enough stops together to come out with the win.
0: I'll say this: If it is a close game, I'm extremely confident Missouri is going to win because they've won yeah. every close game. Exactly. Uh, and, but yeah, look, I'm picking Missouri in this game. Um, I just think, I think this is Kobe Brown and Noah Carter. Um, and, and and look, it's not a, it's not a no way can Utah State win. It's it, n- nobody come on here and say, but, but you told us Missouri was going. to Look, man, it's a guess, right? Um, I think Missouri is a better team. I think Missouri is ready to do this. Like I think they're ready for this stage and in this game, and and I think they're going to win. In one streak, one streak or another ends tomorrow. Missouri has not won a game in the tournament since 2010. Utah State has not won a game since 2001. I should have saved this to ask Drew on the show, but but I mm-hmm. I sprung it on him earlier today, so I'm just going to tell you guys. Since 1964, Utah State is one and eighteen in the NCAA tournament. So uh, you know, you're running up against a team that doesn't have any more history uh, recently than you do. And I feel like this is the perfect way to end it. John Mart is enjoying the lady mic- back microwaving the food in the background of the show. That was I mean, that was the best part of the show, I feel like, right? That's why we came I, to Sacramento. I, I, what, what would have been the best is if she would have just like stood there and eaten whatever she like her lean cuisine or whatever she was eating behind it. She would have just stood right back there and ate it in the background. Of the she did show.
1: whisper sorry. I don't know if y'all could hear that or not. <laughs> <That's awesome.
0: laughs> I mean, she shouldn't apologize. We're legitimately in the business center of a public hotel doing a live we're show. In the, we're in the she, supply she,
1: closet, Gabe.
0: <laughs> she has as much right to make her noodles and sauce as we do to be in there doing the live show. So, um, that's true, but uh, appreciate you guys seriously joining
1: us. <laughs>
0: <laughs> for the, for Thank those you listening to the podcast, Freeway Jared thought Drew was in his room, and the lady might waving the fish with this show is off the rails. I'm done, I got nothing else. Uh, <laughs> Drew's going to go hang out with his lady. Uh, They're going to make some ramen in the the hotel microwave. Uh, I'm going to put this on a podcast. You guys got to hit the like button. You got to subscribe. The ending of this is doing nothing to dissuade people from the idea that we're both extremely high, by the way. So uh, like this show, subscribe to the channel, say good things about the podcast. Call James Carlton or go to his website at carltoninsurance.net, 314-961-4800. Guys, if you've made it to this point and you don't know what James is trying to do, I I don't know what to tell you. Get in touch with him. He'll give money to NIL. He'll save you money on insurance. We're going to cover the game tomorrow. Thanks for hanging out. We'll see you.